Welcome back to NFT Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and today's guest I have Ian Utili. Now, he's been in the NFT space for a good while, but he's also a founder of a platform called Attention Live. Now, Attention Live is a platform for podcasts, and you're able to turn your podcasts into NFTs. Now, I think that's great because if you're a podcast host yourself, you will know that there isn't a lot of opportunity to monetize, especially when you're starting off uh, putting that content out there. So this will enable to offer more value to your listeners, but also a chance to monetize and bring in some revenue for yourself with the content you're putting out there. Now, if this is something that seems interesting to you, or you may know somebody that may be interested in listening to this podcast, please share, subscribe, and list how I built this community. Guys, welcome back to NFT Talks. I am here with Ian Utili. Uh, now, he's the founder of Attention Live, which is a sonic streaming NFT platform. Now, in simple terms, for me to understand that, it's an NFT, it's a podcast platform that you can do live podcast and you can do, you can capture the tokenize your audio tokens. Is that right? You can tokenize yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And then you also got a marketplace on there where you can sell your right. NFTs. We're going to go into a bit more detail than you can explain how it actually works but I know that you know strange to the NFT <laughs> NFT space because you've been in there from what was it 2018 was that around that 2008 you've been there from I think so I mean it depends I I, I did an event <laughs> called the future tech inside Twitter's headquarters in 2017 okay my, <laughs> at first all the you know things are having with crypto kitty conversations and and so it's kind of like what's wait digital collectibles, right? But then really kind of happened summer of 2018 is when things really started material. Okay, you're one of the rare breeds because there's not a lot of people have been in the space. I mean, they want to speak to the like, I've been in there for the last two, three months, but you've been here from the start and you've interviewed some of like the, the most innovative people within the space. So I'm definitely going to sit here, pick your brain. There's going to be a lot of gems in this, in this episode. So firstly, just introduce yourself, Ian. Um, tell them a little about yourself, your background. I want to know how you got into the, the NFT space and your first initial thoughts to the point of where you are now, because I can imagine that's evolved rapidly. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I like what you do with NFT talks. Sean. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you reaching out. So my introduction to the space was I've been the entrepreneur in residence for two big global nonprofit organizations and the college in San Francisco and the innovation hub inside of uh, Twitter's headquarters. And I basically have been an entrepreneur. So I start tech companies. And then, you know, if I exit a company, I'll be like, well, I'll go be an EIR and figure out a problem that can be solved. Okay. So I'm in the innovation hub inside Twitter. And a couple of friends of mine that are on staff there, they're like, Crypto kitties, crypto kitties, crypto kitties. It's, you know, it's breaking the servers. And, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And I just could not understand NFTs. Mm. Like, you know, I, I go and I look at what OpenSea was doing as a marketplace. I go and I try to understand, like, why did Venrock infuse capital into Dapper Labs? Why did okay. Dapper Labs not get a big licensing deal with a big, well-known global brand? Why do they have to create their own? And I'm trying to figure out, okay, like, so it's like baseball cards. It's like a one of, you know, I'm trying to get it and I just can't figure it out. Yeah. So I thought I'll just have events. So I started doing these events. Like I did um, the future of blockchain 
uh, in Twitter's headquarters. I did uh, blockchain 2043 three years ago <laughs> yeah. over at DocuSign's headquarters. Um, started doing events at NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. And then I realized, you know what? I'm not the best at executive producing events. I'm okay. more about like, you know, interviewing people and having conversations and trying to figure out what the problem is to be solved. So I jumped in and joined uh, the folks that launched NFT. Dot NYC, which I think is the largest NFT event in the world. And so I started doing all these pre-event interviews. Mm. So where I really figured out NFTs figured out, I mean, <laughs> this is a pretty simple concept. Like your house has a deed, your car has a pink slip. Yeah. This baseball card has unlimited numbers. And this one's one of a hundred or one of 10. And this stamp looks like this stamp, but this stamp's worth millions. And this stamp's worth tens of dollars. And mm. like, it's, simple, but it's also fairly complex to really comprehend the third-party verific verification system, mm -hmm. how NFTs are created, how why they're created that specific way, why there's value, why the markets responded differently to, you know, crypto punks and to different types of NFTs, whether because they're older or because mm -hmm. they're more, you know, obscure or more valuable and why the value is associated with it. So for me, it was interviewing people. So I got involved with NFT NYC. I started interviewing all the speakers for our event. That was February, 2019. At that event, I basically was, I interviewed probably 50 people before the event and another 50 people on the ground at the event. So I got a hundred interviews. Yeah. And in that time, I just asked about them, their company, what they're doing. And I asked one question for everybody. Hmm. Where do you see NFTs in 2024? And by me being able to pull from almost a hundred different people three years ago, in terms of their perspective on where NFTs would be, I was able to kind of gather this overall consensus mm. of how NFTs might impact art, video games, sports, media. And with that mind, I kind of delivered this keynote on NFT 2024, which a lot of the things that was the collective predictions that I just gathered together ended up happening in the last couple of months. So I think that's been a really unique and interesting, fun uh, way of figuring things out. And of course, because I fell in love with the concept of what NFTs could do as a function of business, as a real legitimate case use for smart contracts, because of that, I thought, you know what? I am going to bake NFTs into my media software company, Attention Live. And so it wasn't just research, which took me a long time to figure out what the hell the people were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was also implementation and being a practitioner as well. Yeah, that's very, very strategic, the way you've approached that, um, especially like you you didn't wait your time, you, you got your information, but you, you use that information to leverage yourself to, to obviously your events and obviously here you are now. Which is amazing. Um, okay, so how long? Just no, no. How long did it take you to get your head around NFTs as a, a concept, just in general? Like when you first come across it, was it, I mean, because it would have been very early for yourself. Like I'm, I know when I was looking, it was there weren't a lot of videos, and that was after you. So and then people, I don't feel like there was any quality content out there. Actually, people that knew that they're actually talking about it was just more of a, a thought, like NFTs. I think it's this. So how long did it take you really to actually get your head around it? I'm still getting my head around it. You know, I'm yeah. 10,000 hours in and I'm still getting my head around it. Um, again, it is really simple and really complex. So OpenSea's NFT Bible, very helpful. 
Okay. Right. Um, the hundreds of videos that we've created at NFT NYC. So if you go to YouTube, NFT NYC, or you go to NFT.NYC, the website, the YouTube videos that we've created from all the events that we've done and the pre and post interviews, um, our kind of guide, a hundred page yeah. or so guide, super helpful. Um, nothing is going to help a person understand it, like building technology around it. That is going yeah. to be the, the biggest thing. Now, if you're not a tech entrepreneur that wants to hire a team to build, or you're not an engineer that wants to build, then can you just take a photograph and go through the process of getting your photograph on foundation? Hmm. Or can you grab a whiteboard and a whiteboard pen and doodle something and take a, take a scan and then create that as a art piece on a open open sea or maybe super rare would let you in you know but they're a little selective or whatnot <laughs> yeah. so like can you do something to participate in the industry because that is a really great way to learn or what you're doing sean right yeah to interview people or i did and still do what you're doing uh, for the last three years i've never stopped interviewing people right i'll just say hey you know, can I sit down with you for five minutes or for an hour and just ask some questions? Let's live broadcast it and create yeah. some content from it. You know, so I think that there's just a lot uh, of different ways. But if I could just give one way, I would say probably going on YouTube to NFT NYC is as good of a way to wrap your head around what is if you don't want all the modern hype. If you just want to know what people talked about NFT NFTs in the past before all the money was infused into it, that's probably the best place. If you want modern information, it kind of depends on the type of personality you want to listen to. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of brilliant people. Um, I personally have gravitated more toward the women in the industry. Okay. Um, I really like their perspective. Uh, women just have a little bit different view of the world and technology and society and many things. So I've learned more lately just by tracking the Twitter feeds, uh, being consistent in kind of watching what these gals are saying. Um, and for some people, like they love Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. So the fact that Gary's constantly pumping stuff out and he also created V friends, like yes. they should go there because they like Gary. Right. Mm -hmm. Or some people are like, I like the anarchist. So I'm jumping in this, you know, discord or this signal or this telegram or this WhatsApp. You may not find the greatest of information on places like LinkedIn and Twitter. You'll probably find better information in more of these private environments uh, yeah. as well, but there's not one solution that works for everybody. I guess it's like you just said, getting involved in communities and finding your space and finding the way you want to uh, receive information. I think it's the most important thing. Okay, so, all right, so let's move on to, obviously, Attention Live, which is, I think is amazing, um, especially because I do podcasts. Um, so I know that when, in the podcast space, it's hard to monetize unless you're advertising, especially if you haven't got a large audience, it's, right. I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure how you'd make money to be fair. So this is a, a way of potentially monetizing your, your content. Uh, and you know, podcasts are amazing. You can get, like, I've got you, I haven't got a, a, ma a mass following, but I've got someone like yourself, which is amazing on the podcast. It's going to be a great information about the NFT space. So right. it, it's, it's valuable 
for, for whoever perceives it as valuable. So tell me a bit about Attention Live and where you're going. Yeah, well, just for fun, we'll see how well this shows up on the screen. Mm -hmm. But let me just show you how simple Attention Live is for a content creator, right? Okay. So Attention Live, you can use any phone, any tablet, any computer. Um, if I explained it to a tech person, I would be like, imagine if you brought together Dapper Labs with Clubhouse and HubSpot. It's okay. one dashboard that lets you create NFTs and put them in a marketplace like a Dapper Labs with social audio or live podcasting like Clubhouse, yeah. combined with HubSpot, the ability to mass distribute and monetize all of that content. Now, yeah. if you're not techie, then I would keep it really simple. And I'd be like, oh, it's easy to understand. Just imagine the farmer's market, live radio, FedEx, right? Because it's a decentralized marketplace, hence creating NFTs combined with radio, live audio, and FedEx, the whole ability to mass distribute with analytics. But we put everything inside of one platform. Now, this is my seventh company, and I've built many of my companies with the same tech team. So we've gotten really good at building super complicated dashboards. Not everything works perfect. I mean, yeah. we built a minimal viable product, and then V1, and we personally kind of worked on V1 with our own private beta users. Now we just finished V2. But this is basically the way that it looks, right? So like in our case, I took a photo of you and yeah. I on Zoom. And then I want to create an NFT. And so I have all these different options of how the NFT is created. If I want to type to old NFTs, the colors, all these different things I can do. Unlocks, time with you, time with me, access to come to this conference. Or it can just be a collectible. It's one of one or it's one of 100. So I create this token. Uh, and when the token's created, I decide what wallet I put it in. So in this case, I put it inside the cred wallet. It's created yeah. on the Polygon chain, which allows us to create the token in real time for less than a penny. So we're not paying these exorbitant gas fees. We can move this token immediately over to OpenSea, mm -hmm. where then it can be created as a V1 Ethereum chain token if somebody wants to pay the gas fee to make that transfer. Mm -hmm. um, so now the token is created. And now okay. that that's done, I can then create a broadcast against the token and see the broadcast that I will create that content of you and I talking right now will basically be tied to the token. And then you can imagine different ideas around podcasters mm. or content creators. You could have a diamond NFT that holds all rights and all revenue goes to that diamond NFT. It's one of one. And then you can have 10 gold NFTs, right? Non-exclusive commercial rights to leverage this content any way you want. And if you're done leveraging the content because you're HarperCollins and Random House and you no longer are going to pursue that book publishing or you're uh, Clear Channel Communications and you don't want to broadcast it any longer on the radio or you're CNN or Fox, you no longer want to broadcast it on your TV station, like I'm done with the commercial purposes, you then can resell that NFT. Then you imagine like a silver NFT, maybe there's a thousand silvers, right? Yeah. And that's non-exclusive, non-commercial rights. So now all of a sudden a podcaster or a content creator like you, Sean, doesn't just interview me. Now you interview me and we co-create this NFT that allows us to get our content legally into the hands of publishers and distributors to use that content. And we never have to have us contacted or our lawyers or our agents because every time it's used based on the smart contract, triggers are pulled 
and there is then money that's transferred to our wallet, right? Because of what's in the smart contract. And so this automates the ability for people to make money from their audio content. Now we focus on live content, but you could come to me and say, hey, here's my first 20 NFT talks. Yeah. We could take these first 20 NFT talks and we can basically, you know, fill up the funnel and create a 24 hour radio station on all the voice devices like Amazon's Echo devices and Google's assistance devices and Samsung Bixby and, and why voice? Because right now everybody's on social media. Yes. Right? Everybody's on LinkedIn and Facebook and Clubhouse and Twitter. But these social media companies are really, really criticized for basically being slave master institutions yeah, and sure. for not really caring for their consumers. And so, and they're all, cent they're all centralized, not just in the way they treat their consumers, but also in the way they deal with money, the way they deal with benefits, right? Like you may have a post that gets 10,000 comments and 100 million views and you get really no benefit from that. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people will leave these traditional social media sites for other forms of engaging with content. And when they do that, I think voice will be a major interface. So we've made voices, the interface is a big priority, even though we send our content to YouTube and we send it to social, uh, you know, podcast platforms. So we're a media company that does mass distribution to every podcast, social media, voice device and creates an NFT to automatically monetize that content for so, the content. Ian, I just want to ask one thing. Also. So as a, as a listener, if I'm listening to a podcast, okay, so where, where does the money come into it? Because as a listener, at the moment, as a listener, I can listen to any podcast on Spotify and so on. I mean, I have to pay for Spotify, but if on Apple, I can listen to it on there. If everything comes off the, the platforms and it's produced, what you're saying, obviously on Intention Live, then... Is it a case of people have to pay subscription to get access to that content? Is that what you're saying? Would that, would that be the formula? I, I hope not. I mean, I, I, we're going to let our content creators make decisions for themselves okay. and their audience. Yeah. But like, if you go live, which I have not yet done, but I'll press yeah. the start stream button, you yeah. can decide, do you create an NFT? Does it go live on Amazon's devices? Does it go live on YouTube? Does it go live on all these other platforms? Okay. So you can turn these platforms off and on. So like, I'll go live right now, right? So start yeah. stream. Well, welcome everybody. You're jumping into the beginning of a conversation I'm having with my new friend, Sean from <laughs> NFT Talks. And so you get to join the conversation, but I'm talking with Sean, not you. You just get to listen. Thanks mm. for your attention. So I'm broadcasting live now through Attention Live's YouTube channel, through uh, our Amazon uh, echo device skill. I don't say the A word because it'll fire off. Yeah. <laughs> and so people can access that on an Amazon device for free. They can go access it for free on YouTube. Okay. If I chose not to broadcast there and I wanted to put it on a special server where people had to pay me, that's fine. As a content creator, I can do that. The point is to give options, right? But ultimately, and see, like this is what pops up. So right now, the YouTube URL pops up. So I can click on that. And that would be the way that people can be listening to us right now. So when it comes to how people make money, I think that right now we're in two paradigms and NFTs are going to unlock a third paradigm. The first paradigm is you give me your attention and I'll give you my content. It's a value exchange. Yes. I want your attention so bad. I want to influence you to buy my product, to buy my service, to think that I'm cool. 
whatever it is that's important to somebody. And if you give me your attention, and if you share this, and if you like, and if you comment, and if you engage with me, then I will give you the best of who I am for free. So that's one paradigm. Paradigm two is I'm Oprah, I'm important, and everybody knows me, and they're willing to pay me for my content. So I want to create this, and if you pay X for one-time access or X for monthly access, you can now have access to my content because I have the ability to put a paywall between me and you because I don't really need your attention. I already have the world's attention. The third paradigm I'm most excited about is the 17-year-old girl that has all the same skills and character traits and abilities of somebody like Oprah, but no audience. And I love the idea that she can herself potentially do something to get the audience to give her their attention. So this could be a lot of different forms, right? If you listen to me live, I'll give you one of my thousand silver NFTs, yeah. which is kind of like, I'll compensate you for your attention. And I think this is a really interesting concept. Right now, NFTs are like, I created a photograph, I created a piece of art, I put it on there, and I want you to give me hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars for this because there's only one, only 10. I think there's something to be said for, I created this content, I've created these NFTs, and the first 10, 100,000 people that engage with my content will get one of these as a value exchange. I'm not just giving you content for your attention. I'm giving you something of value, this specific special NFT of value that you could potentially leverage or resell. So I think right now we're in two paradigms. I'm a creator, pay me for my content. I'm a creator, I'll give you my content if you give me your attention. And I'm a creator and I will honor you, respect you, value you, compensate you for your attention. Now, to put a pin in this, play this out for the 3 billion people around the world yeah. that make less than $2 a day that are getting internet for the very first time. And recognize that all of them are going to have a pair of glasses sent to them with a voice interface, or they're going to have a watch sent to them with a voice interface, or they're going to have a ring or a fingernail <laughs> or a little thing on their tooth, or whatever the hell they get sent. And it's going to be connected to Starlink's satellites or Jeff Bezos' origin satellites or Richard Branson's virgin satellites. But somebody's going to win the satellite war, connect the 3 billion people that don't make any money. Yeah. And then you ask, how about the first world? Will they be willing to provide value to the two-thirds world, the developing world, for their attention? And since a voice interface can translate content from English to some foreign unknown language and yeah. vice versa, a lot of the language barriers will be eliminated. So a lot of our big, broad things that we're trying to accomplish at Attention Live is around these massive ambitions yeah. around getting billions of people on this platform to create and consume content with NFTs as a major value exchange. It doesn't mean that we won't create a token for, for our platform as we've talked about for years to do, you know, to have our own, our own, you know, cryptocurrency in a sense to kind of make the economy run. Uh, that may be the case, but we're really focused on the one of one uh, non fungible tokens, because there's ways that value can be added to these things 
that it really opens up an unlimited number of ways that content creators can benefit their communities and that these communities, these audiences can engage with the content creator. And then wow. you play it out with celebrities, you play it out with professional sports teams. It starts to get very, very exciting what can happen when you add content and NFTs with modern media. That's crazy. Like that's just blown my mind. The way you just said, especially the way you explained it, you explained it very well. And two things that I, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, one thing is when you're saying as a content creator, you want to give back a reward for someone listening to your content. Do you see that working with something like social tokens then? Is that like an, an aspect? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm always hesitant to get behind anything specific. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like this specific cryptocurrency, mm. this specific um, chain, this specific decentralized autonomous community or decentralized autonomous organization or yeah. this specific speaker or conference. Time will tell what the market chooses. And when the market makes a decision, there will be kings and queens made and there will be a lot of disappointed people that will not end up with return on their investment of money, time or energy. Yeah. So I, especially since I have a very persuasive personality, I'm not sure if you could tell Sean. <laughs> I'm already, I'm already a buyer. Yeah. <laughs> I brought into we it. Usually, we usually go to the restaurant I want to go to if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So I also recognize that because I have a personality that people are like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm on board. I try not to talk about specifics, mm -hmm. but in general, yes, the answer is yes. All these different types of approaches at creating value amongst communities and having value exchange, if we can get away from value exchange only being the pound and the yen and the dollar or only being... American stamps, you know, uh, British coins, yeah, right. Or only MLB baseball cards and NFL, you know, football cards and proper football cards over in Europe, right? Like if we can get away from like these centralized governments, centralized institutions, they're the ones that decide these coins and these stamps have value. Mm. This fiat currency has value. These cards and these collectible items that have the stamp of approval, this has value. If we could get away from some of those things and the people can start to create things that are valued for the people by the people. Yeah. I think we'll be much better off as society. Yeah. And I love I love the fact that you touched on quite a few things in regards to NFTs are built off community. It is. It's built in trust. Money, even money, fiat money is, is a trust thing. I mean, paper. But we trust in it, and that's why we value it. And it's no different that what can happen for cryptocurrency can happen for NFTs, as long as the community and we trust and someone values it, it will work. Um, and I love the fact that you're talking about the future of like people that have not even connected to the internet yet. Like I've not, I ain't heard anybody talk about that aspect. I mean, we've got pretty much half of Africa that are not connected to the internet yet, but they are soon because there are projects like Project Simba and whatnot people are trying to connect them so when they do connect to the internet what is going to be there for them and the fact that you're looking into that and potentially giving them a a route to connect to the rest of the world is amazing right is amazing so think think about think about africa yeah there's a large percentage of africa that are connected mm -hmm. 
they speak a modern language. Their language is an easy language to translate between other major languages like German and French and Spanish and English. But there's also a group in Africa sporadically throughout the continent that don't speak a major well-known language. Yeah. Now ask yourself, are these computers with keyboards, are there any 10 fingers on a, P on a keyboard? Aren't you gonna be given phones like we have? Yeah. And they're gonna be two thumbs on a, on a piece of glass. Are they really gonna learn how to engage with technology that way? Probably not. Mm. And also they're unbanked. So are they gonna go get bank accounts and start to get paychecks that go to, probably not. So you have to ask for the underserved, undeveloped world, unconnected from the internet, unbanked, mm. impoverished, since they get to start from scratch, how might they engage with technology? Might it be an advantage for them to use their voice? Might it be an advantage for them to use decentralized technologies connected to decentralized autonomous organizations, be part of and create decentralized autonomous communities? Might it be an advantage for them to use cryptocurrency mm. because they're unbanked anyways? And might it be an advantage for them to create, trade, collect NFTs, even if those NFTs are worth pennies, not hundreds of thousands of dollars, because the major price tags on NFTs is not the end result of where NFTs are going. Yeah. NFTs should be able to range from pennies to tens of millions of dollars. But when you think about the underdeveloped world, a lot of the value exchange is going to be these small amounts. Of, of value that are exchanged, these nano payments, these micro payments, whether they're done through fungible tokens, like Nike might say, for anybody in the undeveloped world, okay. we'll give okay. you $3 in cryptocurrency mm. if you just spend three hours listening to our content in English and speaking into, I mean, there's a million ways that this can happen. Like there's no yeah. limit. Yeah. But when you think about Africa as a continent, and you think about how many of our paradigms these people do not currently operate in. And we recognize that the way that we're operating with 10 fingers on a keyboard, two thumbs on glass, fiat currency, centralized corporations and governments making all of the decisions that we basically have to be subservient to. Well, since they don't necessarily walk into that same thing, they might become the leaders of the free world because they're starting as children, like, not age, but children into this new opportunity when they fresh minds, the so, fresh perspective. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. It makes complete sense. Yeah. Okay. So that see, that's that's amazing. This is why I love natural conversations like this because we're talking about attention live, but we've gone into talking about things that are going on in Africa, the undeveloped world, and whatnot. But it's important. These, these it's important to talk about these things because these things are there. These are people, um, and. It's opportunity for everybody, and that's why that's what I love about NFTs, crypto, and whatnot, and the decentralized space because it opens doors, and I think it levels the playing grounds for a lot of people. Yes. It's just um, I get that vibe of I mean, I'm old enough when the internet came around, old enough when social media was around. I didn't really say I took full advantage of that opportunity. I can honestly say, but this space, I feel like everybody's in that scene at the moment gets that same feeling. You're like, this is one not to be missed because this is gonna change everything the way we do everything um 
what's your thoughts? Okay, this this moving on then. This moving. On, what's your thoughts on like things like the the metaverse then, um, and how the, the the virtual world? What's going to happen with NFTs in the virtual world? I really, I'm really interested to hear your perspective of that based on what you've said to me already. So I really, okay, I start with the people. Okay. Like, you, like the leaders. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I say to myself, what do I think about Sebastian and his team at Sandbox? So I start there. I say, okay, I met Sebastian three years ago and his team out of France. And I've experienced consistently nothing but positive things with him and his team. Well, see, I like to start there. I'll give you another example. I met Dirk, the co-founder of Upland, before I understood Upland as kind of like, you know, this monopoly-esque approach to the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And I said, how do I like Dirk and his team and all that they've created in the past? So a lot of times I'll start with the people that are building out the metaverse, okay? Now, I'm not going to mention any of the people I've met that I was like not really vibing with. Mm. So I'd leaned in, I didn't lean in as much into some of the other metaverse uh, because of that. See, if I can start with the people then I can track, cause I'm not trying to buy a bunch of land really quickly. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, look how much land I got, or you, Oh, you should buy a bunch of land in this plat, this metaverse and that metaverse, or you should create in this metaverse, that metaverse. Cause I have the long view of it right now. Some people might say, well, that's that's dumb. It, when you see Bitcoin for $10, you buy as much Bitcoin as you can. And if you have a long view and you missed out, it's like, okay, well, some people might miss out because they have a long patient view. I'm trying to look at the really broad implications. 25 years from now, how will this impact the 8 billion people on the world, right? 25 years from now, how will this impact? Now, Metaverse is, in my mind, a foregone conclusion. So we're going to have alternate realities that will be accessed mostly in my mind through augmented reality glasses. Yeah. So I personally believe that most of the metaverse is going to be accessed in the real world with augmented reality glasses. Now, I also believe that the metaverse environments that will have the greatest success will be fully interoperable with no barriers to take land from, as an example, sandbox to upland and vice versa. Now, yeah. that may not be possible today, but the spirit around that has to be in place. They have to be operating as decentralized autonomous organizations, sandbox, upland, etc., And they have to be operating as decentralized autonomous communities where the community of land collectors and content creators inside those places really feel like they have anonymity mm. and the ability to be in control of their asset. I think video games is maybe gonna be the most important thing that drives this, right? So as soon as yeah. you have the final fantasies of the blockchain world, you know, as soon as like sandbox really becomes the Minecraft of the, of the you know, blockchain world or as once Upland really truly becomes the board game, the monopoly of the you know, blockchain world, video games are gonna just drive the metaverse because people are gonna be like, look, I made this sword, I made this shield, I made these shoes, I look at my hat, you know? Yeah. Did you see my clothes? <laughs> and that <laughs> is gonna be a really big driver. And what's gonna happen? I'll tell you, this is a big one for the metaverse. 
You're going to have a kid that starts off. She's 14 years old. And by the time she's 23, nine years in, she's accumulated six figures of metaverse assets, but she's kind of done. Like she's kind of done playing in the world of yeah. metaverse. And the fact that she can take all of her metaverse assets that she's created in one or a hundred different blockchain video games over the next nine years, mm-hmm. and that she can sell all yeah. of that to a new person or break it up into 10,000 different pieces of sale and be able to extract all that value from the metaverse to use in the real world as a down payment for a house, to buy herself a car, to send herself to college. When that stuff starts to happen, Sean, then people will really start to recognize, wow, when I was a kid, I spent 10,000 hours on Final Fantasy. I spent 10,000 hours on uh, Madden. I spent 10,000 hours mastering chess. And when I walked away, I walked away with nothing but the experience. I'm feeling wrong These about kids now. <laughs> are playing games and accumulating assets. And when they're done with the game, they can just put the assets on the market. So I think that video games, mm-hmm that empower young people to create and benefit from their creation when they're done engaging with that environment, that is gonna be just the huge forerunner, you know, like the plow that hits the ground for the first time and like has to like till that ground. Or you imagine like weeds that are seven feet tall and you got that, you know, you got that thing that's talking down the weeds. It's so hard to do it the first time. So you have to find an easy way. You have to sharpen that machete. And the way to sharpen the machete to build the metaverse is likely going to be attached to video games, empowering young people to create content and assets that are their own that they can then distribute and liquidate afterwards, generate revenue, pull the extract the revenue out of the metaverse into the real world, and then say, look at me. I'm one of the 100,000 kids in Generation Z that did this thing in the metaverse and built a life both in the metaverse and out. And I think people will kind of come and go, but I think young people will drive it with game, with video games. It's happened though, isn't it, Ian? It's happened. We look at influencers today. It's happened. We you, you Influencers probably laughed at many years ago, what you're doing, putting content out there. Now these guys, are, some of them are millionaires, very wealthy individuals, just to be being the first on the platform and doing something. Because, I mean, attention follows where the... the money follows where the attention is, isn't it? That's where it is. And yes. the attention on the metaverse or whether it's your phones or whatever, like it, it's going to happen. And I feel that the, the get, like you said, gaming is a massive industry, massive. That's right. And the amount of hours I, I mean, I'm in my thirties. I spent hours on games like Half-Life, Counter-Strike, Warcraft, everything. And I didn't, yeah, I couldn't accumulate anything from it. But then there's the kids these days, they, it's a lot different and the, and they're spending money in there and even the way the the gate the people are producing the games these days with buying the game you get the game for free but you do it in-app purchases that whole way of thinking it's just it just makes sense it just makes complete sense about what you were saying and where things are going and where things are going to end up and i thought that there's a lot i mean when i have conversation not sure about yourself in your circles but i mean i have a i have a circle too also that people have no information about crypto, um, not into the NFTs. I have conversations, they're like, that's crazy. That's not going to happen. That's stupid. Why would people do this? Why would people? And it's not, you've got to think about what are people, you just got to look at what people are actually doing. People say the metaverse is crazy, but we live in social media. We're living in the met, in a virtual world to a certain extent, I would say. 
because we're living in your phones. We spend a lot of time on our phones and that's just going to evolve. So I don't know if you agree with that yourself, but I, I, I completely, yeah, I completely feel where you're coming from. And it excites me because like I said, we're early. And, but like I said, it's, it's about the right people getting into say power or the right people doing the right things with that. Uh, because I feel that it can work both ways. Do you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. Again, a, a lot of this is is the really sp speedy evolution mm. of humanity as we are becoming cyborgs. <laughs> so if you think about NFTs, right? So there was an artist, like I was really involved with an artist that's created about a quarter billion dollars of his own artwork over the last 50 years. Wow. Okay, about 20,000 original paintings. His most extravagant paintings were big canvases. They were like eight feet by, you know, six feet. They were big, big, big canvases. And he'd have like 20 canvases. And he'd take nine months to paint these paintings. So here he is, nine months of his life is spent painting 20 paintings. Like, I don't have any idea how many hours because he would just work 20 hour days. And he would build out these paintings with oil paint. He was like 80 layers of oil paint. Now, nine months of his life created 20 paintings. And then he would then sell those paintings for a high dollar to collectors, or he would have them scanned and make lithographs or make posters or puzzles or coffee mugs or whatever the hell he would buy. Okay, so that was an old paradigm. And then came the new paradigm which was strange because a lot of artists started to give their content away for free, okay, just for attention. So here he is, he's an artist and his artistry is, I create all this art and then I get as many different versions of this art and I try to sell it to people. You know, give me your money and I'll give you my art. And then our generation was, well, I'm just gonna create photos, create videos. I'm gonna, maybe I will do some painting. Maybe I will make some music, but I'm not gonna charge 99 cents because nobody will pay for it anymore on iTunes. So I guess I'm just gonna basically give it away for free because if you'll come to my concerts and we're in this kind of broken society and NFTs in the large part solves this. Okay, so we're, we're, we're having this evolution from create content paintings, sell that to collectors, you give me money, I give this to you, to this kind of broken bridge that we're on, which is I'll create all this content and give it away for free to all these people. It doesn't matter if I'm a musician. It doesn't matter if I, you know, doesn't matter. I'll create content, I'll give it away. And now we're in a paradigm with NFTs where I can now track exactly who engages with my content. Mm -hmm. So in, in the case of Attention Live, we're focused on audio content. So anybody that's creating audio content, their live content and their archived content. And when they put it through our system, we put it everywhere. Well, therefore we can track all of the engagement. Well, that engagement adds value to the content, right? So if a podcast gets a hundred thousand listens, well, then that NFT obviously has a lot more value because it's attached to an audience that's listened that much. Yeah, just like YouTube, just like YouTube. Pretty yeah, much. and then the NFTs can then be sold and every single time there's a first or a secondary or a 40th or a 140th sale, the original content creator will extract a little bit of value from that. And also the content creator is empowering their collectors to extract value each time as well. Mm -hmm. So you see, this is the NFT is an area 
where every single person involved benefits. Yes. The content creator, the artist, the musician, the podcaster, etc. They get compensated when somebody wants to own their NFT. That collector gets compensated when they resell the NFT for a profit. And the original content creator gets benefited. So when you look at the evolution of art and content creation, whether it's paintings or music or talking on the radio, now podcasting or being on TV or now YouTubing, when you look at that, it was you used to create content and sell it. And then we got to a place where we give content away for free, for attention. And now finally, we're in this place where we can have a value exchange and everybody is compensated for their content, for their attention, for their uh, advocacy, their resale. And so you kind of see how these things are changing while technology is just blazing at a light speed, right? It wasn't that long ago. We were hunkered over 10 figures on a keyboard with this yeah. big, loud, hot box in front of our face. And then it became a small little box. You know, we went to coffee shops. <laughs> and then we got a phone. Yeah. And now it's two, th two thumbs on glass, right? But everybody's kind of like this all the time. And I, I, I feel fairly confident that what we're transitioning to is glasses. Well, we, and we're transitioning. Snapchat, I already do that, aren't they? Snapchat with the spectacles and stuff like that. So I've had the specs. Yeah. And there's obviously some issues with the specs. I had the, okay. the newest version of the specs. Um, I haven't gotten the, the new, new ones yet, but some of the issues with the specs are battery life. Okay. The uh, amount of content you can create, like there's some things that have to be overcome. Nevertheless, the thought that you could have the computer on your face and that you can just talk to everything, you know, like what's the weather? Boom. And you can whisper it like, okay, so let me, let me play out a scenario for you. You're walking, you see a celebrity. You just whisper, zoom in on him and take a picture. Boom. <laughs> search, search the internet to see if there's any paparazzi sites that wants a photo of him. Yes, this site wants a photo, they'll pay $75. This site wants a photo, they'll pay $85. This site wants a photo, they'll pay $55. Okay, just create an NFT and put it on sale for $50 and then promote it. Let somebody else grab it for $50 and resell it so I can get paid on it every single time it's reused. Can you imagine that if while you're walking with just getting some exercise, you take a photo with your mouth, with your glasses, you say all that to your system, it creates the NFT, which then spurs on the ability to generate income for you immediately and ongoing. Like these things are phenomenal. Okay. So take another scenario. You're in your car and you see something beautiful. So you jump out and you just say, take a one minute time-lapse. So you set your glasses down, boom, and it does the time-lapse and you say, okay, upload to foundation, their time-lapse page and put my NFT for sale for a 0.01 ether. I don't, I only want 20 bucks, but what mm -hmm. I really want is I want somebody to like it, buy it, collect it, and then Go Seven, resell. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So NFTs are creating an opportunity that if we can get really, really fast with content creation, capturing conversations and audio, capturing photographs, videos, time lapses, if we can get really, really good at doing this, ideally with something as easy as just glasses on our face or a watch on our wrist or a ring on our finger, where it's just ready to go. Boom, you point and it's done, right? 
And then you immediately can just talk to the machine and say, create the NFT inside OpenSea, create the NFT inside Digitable, create the NFT inside Rarible. Mm. And it's all done for you because we have the tech enabled to give everybody the immediate internet access to what's on their face in my mind. So I think this is a lot of where we're going in terms of the speed of creating NFTs and the ability to know what's needed. I mean, I imagine also going down the road and your assistant says to you, hey, just so you know, you're about a quarter mile away from this place and this organization is willing to pay $19 for a photograph of it. Like, yeah, pull over. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And that sent it up. And it's all done as a non-fungible token, right? Because it's a one-of-one one photograph that you took for the express purpose of getting the $19. The $19 gives that organization non-exclusive commercial rights to use it for one month. And then it's removed and you retain ownership because you have a second NFT that is exclusive rights. You know, And so this is the type of thing that can be created. All these things have the opportunity to create value and hierarchy of access and benefit and to automate the entire damn thing so that you and I as content creators never have to chase down, hey, you used this interview with the two of us from NFT Talks. You didn't get my permission. Well, we'll never have to chase people down because everything we create will be an NFT. Mm -hmm. Some things you create will be your NFT. Some things I create will be my NFTs. Maybe this conversation ends up becoming three NFTs. One, that we both have the rights to leverage mm -hmm. our conversation. And then a separate one that's just the words you say, your transcription, your audio. One is a separate NFT that's just the words I say. So that way I could take the content I say yeah. and capitalize on that content, either written or audio, as well as you. So every single time there's a two-person interview, there's three minimum NFTs that are auto-created to be able to capture value from those by bringing that content to the market in a totally different way that's automated and removes all the friction, yeah. all the barriers Makes to getting content sense. out gets removed. Makes total sense. And like I said, I could explanation wise, like you've, you've covered it. <laughs> so there's not, there's not even a question to ask around that. The only thing before we round it up, uh, Ian, is just two quick, quick answer I want from yourself is what are the, the, the bottlenecks now, what, what would you say is, what was going to help the space grow? What is, what are things, is there a struggle at this point? I thought there's a few things that, there's a lot of things that need sorting, but what would you say the main thing we need to get over in order to help the space grow? For NFTs, the big bottlenecks, I don't really think there are any, to be honest with you. I think, um, uh, there's just I mean, a lot of progress. I mean, I'll, I'll, there's a, I would say like user, user experience. I mean, in regards to like that side of it. And also, I mean, I think education, really, awareness, education is going to be a major thing at this point. It's at all this just point. moving so quick. Yeah, it's all. So I agree with you. You're right. Okay. It's also moving just so quickly that you and I say right now, you know, the biggest problem is that there's not great education. But then mm. by the time this comes out, that... <laughs> is yeah. solved or we say you know the user experience is just horrible but by the time this is heard by the person that accesses it as evergreen content in three months or three years that problem was solved by this organization so for yeah, me true. there's so much progress 
that I think it's less about UI UX or education or operations or organizations. It's probably my biggest concerns are issues of um, issues of the heart. So humility versus arrogance, uh, inclusiveness versus uh, this is a special club and you're not part of it. Um, honesty versus grandstanding. So a lot of my big concerns around NFTs are not like UI UX issues or tech issues, although I pull my hair out and I want to bang my fists against the wall with some of the technical things that we face. But those are not my biggest concerns. My biggest concerns is, How is it are you? the people in the industry going to maintain a sense of meekness mm-hmm. and gentleness and inc- inclusivity and wanting diversity and wanting mm-hmm. to have different voices. Like how many people are going to help you, Sean, to be successful with NFT talks? Because that's a really good sign if a lot of big organizations, if the consensus and the coin desk and the NFT NYC of the world's do things to help you have success and they're being inclusive and come a rising tide raises all ships come that's a very good sign but if you feel suppressed by these people yeah like they won't let you have access to their people to interview them they won't spotlight you Mm. they won't make room for you they don't want you at well that's a very bad sign okay because if the people that have authority and power today are trying to maintain that Well, that's a very centralized approach and that's what we're trying to escape from. So if they're like, come one, come all, come with your questions. There's no bad question. We just want people to jump in and be part of our metaverse, be part of our NFT platform, be part of our cryptocurrency. Like this is a place where you belong Mm. because it's not just about the why are we doing this? And certainly not about the what are we doing? It's about the who, who is doing this and who feels like they can be a part of it too, which is why I brought up Sebastian at Sandbox and Dirk at Upland. Because the who is the question to answer before the why are we doing this and sure as hell is more important than the how are we doing this or what exactly are we doing? No, I love, I love the answer um, and, it, and I, I totally agree with you. Um, Okay, so load of value, so much value from this, this this actual podcast. So I'm happy and I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. One question I'm going to take and what I've learned is to ask you, where do you see the NFT uh, space in the next 10 years? So where do you see it? In the next 10 years, NFTs should be like running water and light bulbs. It should be like going to the gas tank. Nobody asks where the gas came from, who delivered the gas, how's the gas extracted, how is it made? Like you just go up to the gas tank, you put your card in or you scan your car, whatever the hell you do, and you put the thing in and you fill your gas tank with gas. It's really simple. That's how you get your car to move. In the next 10 years, NFTs will just be part of society. Most of the things that we do will create NFTs and a lot of things that we access will be accessed through NFTs. And NFTs will basically be the big data holders. So this is a huge prediction I have. Okay. Right now we have these huge multi-billion dollar big data companies. Yes. I believe NFTs will individually hold the data around the content that they declare ownership over. So that's going to be a very, very uh, 
helpful thing is that when you acquire this NFT, you can tell every single person that's ever owned it, every engagement that ever happened, every time it was ever written about, every time, like all of a sudden this thing that you acquired, it really matters because here's the proof, here's the social proof. So NFTs are just gonna permeate society. We'll probably stop calling them NFTs. We probably won't call them nifties. Nobody's gonna say non-fungible token one day. We'll just get to where it's an asset, yeah. right? It's just an asset. So like, just like a house has a deed and a car has a pink slip, we'll just have assets that have an NFT, a digital collectible, you know, a crypto collectible, a digital asset, whatever you want to call it, an NFT, a non-fungible token, ERC721, doesn't matter. But these things will just totally take over of society. You'll walk through a home and that home will likely have thousands of NFTs associated with every single thing. Like I most likely everything in a home, in a car, in a business, in society will have some sort of tie to what we call NFTs today to track the engagement and the value of that and to make the exchange of that item from one person to another. So you walk through a house and you're like, well, wow, that's such a beautiful sculpture. And the owner says, you know, actually, I don't really want that anymore. Do you want it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's already on open seat. And, and you just say, uh, send the open ceiling to Bob and Bob gets it on his glasses and he looks at it and he goes, I totally want that. Yes. The cryptocurrencies exchange from Bob's account to the homeboy that owns the house, homeboy that owns the house, grabs the thing, hands it to him. And every single time that sculpture goes from one to another, it's all tracked who owns it, why they owned it, what they paid for it. Yeah. And then they can take that sculpture and create many NFTs of art pieces and collectibles around it. It's up to our wildest imagination what we do with this technology. It's really, 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 really exciting. And it should unlock abundance in the world. NFTs should unlock trillions, ideally hundreds of trillions of dollars of new abundance on an annual level. Because the world is not a big pie that there's limited slices and everybody's fighting for a limited pie. The world is like billions of pies stacked and we've only started to access the top pie. Yeah, there's all of this value that we can create and exchange with one another to where we really shouldn't have anybody in lack. There should never be a hungry person in 10 years. There should never be an unhoused person in 10 years. Unless somebody chooses not to do something. Unless you just choose not yeah. to do anything. Totally. But <laughs> again, again, even if that's the case, we should have good enough coordination technology mm -hmm. with blockchain that even if people choose not to do anything or engage or make, th make things happen, it's very likely that because of the abundance that we're about to unlock, we'll have a universal basic income that'll work for all liberals and all conservatives and the conservative party, the labor party, Republicans and Democrats can all come around this idea of like, yeah, let's go ahead and give everybody $3,500 a month or 2,500 pounds a month because like we just have all this abundance that if somebody doesn't want to do anything, at least they can have a minimal life mm. and keep the economy going. While those that want to build have the opportunity to create massive resource. So I think that we're just about to unlock 99%, right? We've like scratched the surface. You have 1% of the world's abundance unlocked through cap capitalism and 
centralized corporations and centralized governments. And when we truly decentralize money, government, corporations, communities, and then we start attaching things like non-fungible tokens to it all, uh, we're going to really, really, our kids are going to be very, very fortunate with the future that they're about to walk into. Emma, I'm going to leave it there with that ending. That's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I've got kids, so I'm happy to hear their thoughts and I'm going to do my best to make sure I, I contribute towards that. And I'm sure you're doing it yourself. Um, it's been amazing speaking to you. Um, thank you for your time. Um, is there any, how can people contact you with regards to socials or whatnot, um, or, or even the social links yeah, for the attention I'm, life? I'm easy to reach. My name's Ian Utili, but it's spelled I-A-N-U tile. Uh, so I'm at Ian Utili on every social mm -hmm. out there. Uh, our company is attention.live, A-T-T-N dot L-I-V-E. And we're on all the major social media sites as well, pretty active on there. And, uh, you know, we are looking for beta users. We're looking for people that want to have us customize and private label our entire technology around their specific needs. So, you know, we want to engage with people. Uh, so contact me, contact our company, and we, we'd like to have a conversation with you and figure out how we can empower you to achieve some of the things that Sean and I have been talking about today. Perfect. One more thing before I go. What, what's with the big wheel? You know the big wheel? I've seen you do interviews oh, on the big wheel. Where is it? Like, where is it? Are you on it now? <laughs> I know. I don't have one up here. Where is it, man? Like, <laughs> every time I, I see ride you, that one wheel. I've, I've done 2,000 miles. So it's like basically the size of a skateboard, but it's like a motorcycle. So it's yeah. like a, it's like a, it's like a, it has one wheel in the middle. It, I, you know, goes about 20 miles an hour. And I ride that thing almost every single day during sunrise and sunset. So I'll get up at sunrise I'll go to the beach and I'll just jam up and down the cliffs and then I'll work all day and spend time with my family. Then sun, sunset. Okay. Go back out to the beach. And go. I've seen, I've seen you do actual talk on that. I mean, what, I mean, I watched the, the cred talk where you was on the actual yes. the big one. I was like crazy <laughs> on stage. So so yesterday, just... <laughs> yesterday I, I had a zoom, I had a zoom meeting. Yeah. I have uh, three guys I'm doing attention live broadcast with it so yeah. basically the four of us get on zoom yeah. and then one guy interviews this guy he interviews him he interviews him okay. you know so like we kind of go in a circle mm -hmm. so i went to the beach yesterday and i'm on my one wheel for the entire thing i'm just kind of in out at the ocean and it was pretty fun so <laughs> yeah i include the one wheel in all aspects of my life all right that's it all right well thank you again um yes like sir. i said hopefully we can connect again uh further on down the line when a lot more things are happening because it's like a that. rapid pace and yeah like i like that it's been a pleasure today man so everyone thank you for listening uh stay listening and stay blessed